This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. My guest is Lisa Scottolini, author of 35 novels. Her newest title is A Deep Dive into Some of the History of the Italian Island of Sicily. It's called Loyalty and is a book of historical fiction. She's Zooming with me today from her home outside Philadelphia, where she lives on a farm with an array of disobedient pets. Lisa, welcome back to Book Talk. Diana, I love talking with you, and thank you so much for having me back. What's happening as your book opens up? What's happening is that there is a massive celebration on the island of Sicily. It's not only the biggest celebration Palermo, the capital, has ever seen. It's actually the biggest celebration the island's ever seen because it's the feast of the Saint Rosalia, who is their um, patron saint of Palermo. And so a child is there and on his mother's arm, and he is about to be kidnapped by someone we can't tell you yet and scoops him up and brings him on horseback and takes him to a madhouse. And that is how the book opens. Why a book about the early days of the mafia? I'm Italian-American, and I'm really proud to be American. I think this country's great, and, but I am from an immigrant family. And without public schools and public libraries, I don't get to talk to you, know, you over about a book. I am also proud of being Italian. And I think there was honestly just a part of me that wanted to answer the question, why did the mafia start here? What happened? What, what gave rise to it? And it really did begin in Sicily in 1810. And so then I just wanted to answer that question. Well, now that you know so much about the history of the mafia, how accurate is the movie The Godfather, which is my only <laughs> reference? It is accurate to a point, but it's not, um, it doesn't begin at the beginning. And I wanted to begin at the beginning. I wanted to go back to what caused the mafia. And loyalty is about a guy who ends up being the head of the first mafia family in Sicily. And I did all the reading, you know, historical fiction is so great because you get to read and you call that your job instead of writing when you know you have to write. But to go, I went to Sicily because I couldn't help but, you know, I, I'm like that. I need to see what I'm talking about. And went all over the island, but learned, first thing I learned was that, you know, those lemon groves that were right around Palermo and are still there. It was so interesting to go all the way back in time because you realize this is going to sound like, you know, your, your history class that when the British Navy discovered that lemons cured scurvy, it changed Palermo because they could grow lemons and lemons became the most valuable crop you can imagine. And so all of a sudden they needed protection and people like Franco, who's the main character and kind of the, he becomes the first mafia chieftain in Sicily is fictional, but it's exactly how what happened. First, it begins by protecting the lemons on the way to market with dreams of someday owning his own lemon grove. But then the law favors the colonizers and the nobles, and he has no chance for upward mobility. You know, he talked for a minute about Sicily versus America, and the equality of opportunity that we started with as our ideal is such a good one. And when you were, but back then, you, we have this notion, you, if you save up the money, you could buy a house. Well, you couldn't do that in Sicily. He couldn't own a farm. I've moved to a farm now. You couldn't, you couldn't do that even if you had the money and you didn't have the money. And so what started to happen and why the mafia grew actually was that the people who are protecting lemons and did that for money said, you know what? Maybe we'll protect the lemons from ourselves. And it became the first protection racket. And at the same time, so they're squeezing the nobles for money 
it's extortion. And at the same time, they're also squeezing the peasants because the, the peasants who farm this land don't own it either. They actually pay a middleman to enable them to farm. And just it's just the most unjust, inequitable system that is perpetrated under color of law. That's what's always interesting to me. Like there's a character in the book who believes he is the last Jew in Sicily, and he and actually may be because there was the Spanish Inquisition and expelled 40,000 Jews from Sicily. And that's still kind of true. There's still very few Jews in Sicily because of what happened then. And you realize kind of, you know, with horror that the Spanish Inquisition, of all things, accomplished what the Nazis could not. And I said, oh, I want to have a character then. So I have the first mafia family and the last Jew in Sicily. And this becomes a story of four characters who are, whose kind of lives collide, beginning with this kidnapping in the beginning of the book. And it happens against the rise of really turbulent time on this really dramatic island. And it felt very transportive to me to write. And I'm happy to see that readers are finding that too. You wrote in this book, every one of my novels, whether historical or contemporary, fleshes out the relationship between law and justice, and loyalty is the best case in point to date. Yeah, that's true. I'm right, once again. As my mother used to say, when I'm right, I'm right. I think I thought of that because in the paradigm, the way it's supposed to be, and I'm a former lawyer and adjunct law professor, so you like when law leads to justice. And I always used to think that a more modern view is that law doesn't always lead to justice. But what I've learned through historical fiction, this is my second novel of it, the first one was Eternal, and I can, I'll explain that in a minute, is that law can perpetrate injustice and that that is not modern at all. You know, when you look at, for example, Eternal is a love triangle set against fascist Italy. And partly I wrote that book because I was like, I wanted to know why Italians follow fascism. It's a little bit like loyalty. I was like, why did this happen? I guess you've got to figure that out. And all of the persecution of the Jews, the Jews of Rome, which was the oldest continuously existing Jewish community in the in Western civilization. Think about that. That what the Nazis did and the fascists did to the Jews of Rome was all perpetrated under color of law. Now, that's really interesting and also horrifying because that's a warp. That's a true contortion of what law is supposed to be, that law will enact discrimination and injustice and persecution like World War II, Nuremberg, the, anti -fa you know, the fascist laws, and the Spanish Inquisition earlier. So then you come to realize that that's a phenomenon that has been occurring a long time. And that can be disheartening, but also if you recognize it, then you start to notice it's red flags when they occur, or at least you know something you didn't know before. And my experience, like I say, is that readers like to be educated. I like to educate myself. So I kind of disabuse myself of some notion like this is new news when you start to understand that there is no new news. And so what do you hope readers get in particular from this book? I think it almost, it's this. The, the story starts with Franco, who's going to turn into a mafia chieftain. But he is opposed by somebody who was part of a real-life historical society. It was a society of aristocrats that just worked for the common good in a Palermo that was unbelievably corrupt. In other words, what's important about that is they were noblemen who were beneficiaries of this legal system but thought it was morally wrong. Now, that's fascinating to me because what is legal and what is moral can be really different. And they stood up against criminality. And so when I found out that they really existed, and I visited the church where they met, they were called the Beati Pauli. They 
They were the blessed of St. Paul. Their idea about morality was an article of faith. Now that's interesting because I'm kind of a collapsed Catholic. I don't, <laughs> but, but the whole idea that you would, that you would fight the good fight and you would work for the common good. And I love that. I maybe do research with, with St. Paul and he says, do every act with love. And I thought, that's a wonderful credo to live by, isn't it? Yes. And it's, and it's also rigorous. You know, it's one thing to be nice most of the time, but I was just in the market and I saw this guy shove this woman out of the way at the deli counter. And I was like, that's not do every, like that's, I didn't say anything because I'm too afraid, but I, but I was like, you know, do every act with love. That's uplifting to me. And I think this novel that these characters undergo enormous hardship. But we, all of us, will have enormous hardship. Anybody who's gone through COVID or all the, whatever difficulty. I get letters every day from people who go, I loved your book. It got me through chemo. We go through, we go through it. As we get older, you know more and more people, if not you yourself. And so I think the book tells you that when you're having those hardships, you can persevere and you will come out. And that's sometimes a really, sometimes I just want to know everything's going to be all right. <laughs> You know, Diana, do you know what I mean? There's a little of that. And I think you end up finding some strength inside yourself that you didn't know you had and these characters do. And so that's what I hope readers come away with. They see themselves, even in these characters from a different place in time, and know I I know their pain, I know their struggle, and I will persevere. Well, thank you. My guest is Lisa Scottolini, author of Loyalty, published by Putnam. This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. Thank you so much.